Today we're talking about narcissistic abuse and the name of this podcast episode is Understand Narcissistic Abuse and Stop Blaming Yourself for the Narcissist's Faults. Narcissistic abuse includes silent treatment, reptilian stare, and mental manipulation such as narcissistic gaslighting and projection. All the content shared here, as always, has its own page on my website. And all the poetry, everything that we discussed today, I will be posting on anazabo.com slash narcissistic-abuse. Again, it's anazabo.com slash narcissistic-abuse. So, the goal of this episode is to help you realize it is not your fault. You are not crazy. You are being abused and manipulated. I will explain in detail how exactly the narcissist does this to you so eloquently, and you will see that it is not you. You will have a breakthrough and good understanding of what you have endured from the narcissist in this cruel relationship with him. And I will also teach you a secret antidote for narcissistic abuse which I wish I used when I was suffering from depression and severe suicidal thoughts while being manipulated by the narcissist. I also created a public Facebook featured album on my personal Facebook profile, and it's just facebook.com slash JDMBA. It is the same handle as you have it here, wherever you're listening. So it's facebook.com slash Anna Zabo, JDMBA. And if you go to that profile, you will see a featured album that is called Narcissistic Abuse. It has 12 posts and 12 pictures. Each picture is a poem. So if you like the poetry that you hear today and you feel that it will be very useful for someone and you want to share them, that's the album where you would go to share them from. First thing first, why is the narcissist who he is and what is his problem? So who is the narcissist? First, let's explore what the Bible says about this topic. And by the way, just before we talk about this, I want to share with you something super exciting. 
I could have never even dreamed that I would have a platform to have a ministry to engage people in daily real-life application of the gospel. But as I reviewed the statistics for this podcast that is now being syndicated on iTunes, Inside Timer, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, I can see that in the last three weeks since I launched this podcast, well, almost four weeks, almost 300 people downloaded it. And they are located all over the world, which is mind-blowing. <laughs> United States, South, South Africa, Ukraine, Netherlands, Italy, Kazakhstan, and also other regions. That's incredible. And as I'm thinking about the impact this content can have on the people who really need it, the women who are suffering, suffering from abuse and mental cruelty, suffering with depression and suicidal thoughts because they are being persuaded that they're devalued, unworthy. I want this content heard by each of those women because I was in those shoes too. Not a long time ago at all, and it is painful. That's why I'm creating this content, investing hours and hours into each episode so that you understand you're not alone and you also can heal and you also can share this content with those who need it. Okay, who is the narcissist? So what does the Bible say about this topic? Romans 16, 17, 19 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Now, you might not consider yourself naive, I certainly didn't see myself as naive, but the narcissist's premeditated deception is so cleverly thought through, planned, and organized that the profoundness of his manipulation makes anyone a naive person. The narcissist walked into my life straight from church presented himself as a graduate of a seminary. He worked at a mega church here in Atlanta. And at the church where he graduated from, the pastor had persuaded me what a godly man I was about to marry. Later, when that pastor found out what the narcissist did to me, he was first speechless, but then he looked at me and said calmly, anyone can get deceived, so we're all naive. 
Proverbs 4.16 says, So they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They're robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. And this is truly the very description of the cruel intentions the narcissist has toward you. He won't rest until he knows you are suffering. I actually wrote a poem for you about this in preparation for this podcast so you can understand what is happening to you and why you are enduring this mental cruelty from the narcissist. And you can find this poem on nsabo.com slash narcissistic dash abuse. But also I want to read it to you right now. It's called The Narcissist Manipulates You. Verbal trickery is the narcissist's preferred method of manipulation. He has a talent for saying the right thing to confuse and degrade you. The narcissist wants of your mind complete and total domination. And in your worthlessness and uselessness, his goal is to persuade you. The unrelenting mind games of the narcissist are incredibly damaging. You are left traumatized with emotional pain that has no end. You become mentally crippled with inability to be managing even of your own mind and sanity command. In the midst of it, you are not understanding what is happening. You feel crazy, confused, and paralyzed by self-doubt all the time. You don't know how to escape from the manipulation that is so saddening that all you do daily is just try to out of depression climb. The you have misunderstood what I was saying and stop assuming are his favorite phrases. He has no explanation for anything except this two. He made you believe he had a soul and a heart in the relationship's earlier phases. So now, about the cause of his emptiness, you're puzzled and seek a breakthrough. Don't. The answer is there is nothing there, just emptiness. Everything else you saw before was a clever pretense to deceive you. Don't feel for the narcissist compassion or pityingness, because he will gladly use those feelings to further manipulate and mislead you. According to Psychology Today, the hallmarks of narcissistic personality disorder, MPD, are the following. Grandiosity, lack of empathy, and need for admiration. The website mentions that between 50 and 75% of the people diagnosed with NPD, Narcissistic Personality Disorder, are men. 
The narcissist is frequently described with the following adjectives arrogant, self centered, manipulative, demanding. The narcissist may often obsess about his grandiose fantasies. Examples can be his success, handsomeness, his brilliance or cleverness, his body, the size of his muscles, or the number of medals he won. The narcissist believes he is superior and special. He doesn't have any other way to survive because his real self is an empty shell, so he actually must puff up his ego constantly. His identity is rooted in admiration and praise. I wrote a poem for you that explains why people don't believe that this nice guy is cruel to you and it has to do with his hunger for praise, admiration and approval. It's called the narcissist is eager for approval. Why do so many people can hardly believe the cruel treatment you've endured from the narcissist? Because exceptional deception he is able to achieve, and in light of his charm, his cruel intentions are by people either unnoticed or dismissed. The narcissist is very skilled at pretending to be a people pleaser. His plan to persuade everyone, and it is very clever. He works over time to conquer people's minds and opinions like Caesar. Of being real, the narcissist thinks never. Being liked by people is how the narcissist gets praise. Praise is his food vital for survival. The narcissist must obsessively others' approval constantly chase. Otherwise, of his narcissistic supply, he will experience deadly deprival. So, the narcissist seeks excessive admiration and attention in order to know that others think highly of him. That's why he would easily go the extra mile to so-called please people or to woo you in the beginning of the relationship with cherishing behaviors and loving actions, being respectful. He will adore you only to lure you into his clever premeditated deception so you can be his narcissistic supply. The narcissist has a tremendous difficulty tolerating criticism or defeat. If you say to him anything other than praise, his ego self suffers so much, he no longer will have the solid make-believe ego-puffing reality he built for himself to survive. So, saying something critical about the narcissist is a sure way to become his target for hatred and rage. 
Of course, the narcissist can't stand any rejection either, since rejection destroys his identity, which is in ego. He will eagerly reject you if he fears that you might reject him or if you actually mention that you might leave him. But you don't even have to reject the narcissist at all for him to hate you. All you need to do is to be successful and he will hate you with passion already. Why? Because he lives in a world where success is a scare commodity. And there is not enough success for everyone in his world. That means your being successful takes away from his success. And so the narcissist who constantly compares himself to you feels like he doesn't measure up. I wrote a poem about it for you to help you make sense of how calm he adored and pursued you for the very things that now cause him to hate you. And you can find that poem at nsabo.com slash narcissistic dash abuse. But also after this podcast, I will post not only the narcissist uh, recovery meditation, I will also post 12 poems I wrote about narcissistic abuse. So you will find them one by one so you can download and save the ones you want. Let me drink some tea one moment. Okay, ginger with honey, mint, mm. life is good <laughs> as long as I have my hot tea with ginger, mint, and honey. <laughs> okay, going back to our podcast, the poem I wrote for you is called The Narcissist is Driven by Jealousy. The narcissist is jealous of your accomplishments. He targeted you for your beauty and smarts because for having you, he loves getting compliments, but that is also where his hatred toward you starts. The narcissist lives in a world of scarcity. Your success to him means that he doesn't measure up. He hates you with laser-focused clarity aiming to completely empty your emotional cup. He drains your energy and hope out of you by gaslighting you to make you feel crazy. He also meticulously projects his every fault on you so that it looks like your mind is confused and hazy. To intentionally devalue you and to make you feel worthless, the narcissist exercises another clever technique. It's called narcissistic silent abuse and it's a very painful nonsense because he completely ignores you and for months with you doesn't speak. He doesn't acknowledge your existence or presence. He makes sure you feel useless and worthless, unless he needs money from you or presents, 
then he will be nice until his next nonsense. In the narcissist's make-believe universe, he is the almighty, all-powerful superior. Even if for months the, his erratic behavior toward you is adverse, he easily continues to maintain with others a pleasant exterior. But you are his survival essential narcissistic supply, so prepare to be attacked with long-lasting mental cruelty. Get ready because the narcissist wants you to die and he won't tolerate your success continuity. In his own head, the narcissist constantly competes with you. For him to feel better about himself, you must fail. So, with his well-thought cruel techniques, he confuses you, and you get so depressed that you can no longer avail. How did he become the narcissist? According to Psychology Today, narcissistic personality disorder is a byproduct of certain childhood family environments. All children want their parents' approval and attention. Children adapt to their homes and often the most productive and reasonable adoption to some home situations is to become a narcissist. Remember, in episode number seven on this podcast called Tell Me How You Really Feel, I talked to you about attachment theory and five emotional profiles, a vacillator, an avoider, a pleaser, a controller, and a victim. I shared with you in that episode that because my mother was extremely mentally unstable and unpredictable, we had an enmeshed relationship in which I had to always measure her emotional temperature to see if I will be beaten up or hugged that day. It always depended on her mood, so that childhood experience made me an, made me an empath. And what that means is I read people's emotions and feelings very well. I feel their pain, like I feel your pain. I feel your pain by just talking to you. And when I think that in the last three weeks, 300 people downloaded this podcast, my pain is multiplied by 300. That's how I feel. I want to help people feel better about themselves and their life which is what I had to go through and basically do every day growing up with my mother. So my emotional profile is a vacillator, up and down, up and down, just like the emotions of people around me, with a mix of a victim. And I shared that with you in my episode number seven. So go listen to it for sure after this one. It's called Tell Me How You Really Feel. So, in that podcast episode, you will also see that the narcissist emotional profile is that of an avoider who pretends to be a pleaser. 
very, very complicated. Psychology website suckingdig.com, to which I will lead link on a page for this podcast, says the same thing and explains the narcissist growing up with a significant trauma as a child. So here is how attachment theory explains what happened to the narcissist. Narcissists have an avoidant attachment style and most people who are strongly affected by a narcissist are of the anxious attachment style. Those who have high anxiety responses to the narcissistic devaluing and discarding are likely experiencing a triggering of attachment anxieties and once those anxieties are triggered, it can take a long time to calm down completely. Avoidance are not all narcissists, but they do have an ability to detach emotionally from the relationship which triggers an anxious person's attachment anxiety. Avoidance are not comfortable with too much closeness, so their relational dynamic is to push their significant other away to create a safe emotional distance for themselves. And that's the only way for the narcissist to survive, since he has no empathy or vulnerability. So you and I, with our closeness, spook him, since he's scared that his real self, that's an empty shell, will be revealed and then he could be found and exposed. So the explanation on that website continues to say that anxious styles, that's people like me and you, um, especially those who grew up in enmeshed relationships, so anxious styles who desire a lot of closeness with their partners experience being pushed away as rejection or abandonment, which trigger a deep-seated anxiety. So that's you and me. The narcissist gives us silent treatment and we try to pursue the narcissist in response. And it never works, except it just digs us deeper and deeper into mental cruelty with him. Avoidance also tend to find fault with their partner and blame them for any issues in the relationship. And that's the narcissistic projection we'll discuss here today. The narcissist projects his faults on you and that's why. It's because of his childhood trauma and the way he learned to attach, meaning to relate in relationships. So the website goes on to explain anxious styles tend to find fault with themselves and blame themselves. Oh, how familiar. So in a relationship like this, all fingers are pointing toward an anxious person, which explains why the anxious person feels responsible when the narcissist detaches from the relationship. Wow, this is exact description of my relationship with the narcissist. And I had to undergo trauma counseling to even help me wrap my mind around the entire 
concept of his deception and manipulation and cruelty and how none of it was my fault. But I named myself the faulty one and I blamed myself so hard. That's why I created this episode for you. It is my hope that what I explain here to you today will release you from self-condemnation, guilt, shame, and blame for the faults that belong to the narcissist, not you. It is not your fault. Going back to the attachment theory and the narcissist's childhood trauma, which please don't ever mention to him, because if you do, like I did, he will eat you alive for that. He will yell and scream and rage at you, because to survive, the narcissist must puff up his ego and persuade himself that he had a great childhood, and he is wonderful, and his life is amazing, and he is so successful, and his life is put together. He can't look the truth in the eye and face his issues, because his ego is where his identity comes from, but ego can survive exposure and vulnerability. In reality, the narcissist was severely traumatized as a child at about two years old. As PortlandRelationshipTherapies.com explains, extensive research done with infants and mothers together shows our attachment style is in place between the first and second year of life and does not change significantly throughout adulthood. Situations that can cause insecure attachment can occur when caretakers are unable to sense their baby's needs and end up responding in ways that are frustrating to the infant. Insecure attachment styles can also result when caretakers are depressed or are using substances such as drugs, alcohol, or pills making them unavailable to meet their child's emotional needs. And if the narcissist's primary caregiver passed away about that mark mentioned above as two-year-old, he felt abandoned all his years, all his life. His pain comes from being done wrong by life or God or higher power or fate, whatever he believes in and he feels fundamentally unlovable, which causes him to never feel loved by you. And if he was passed from caregiver to caregiver, let's say a grandma or other family members, he might be completely confused. He might change his last name as an adult, trying to forget his painful childhood trauma, to which, of course, he will never, ever admit, from the shame of feeling unloved, he has to puff up his ego. It is not your fault. You're not doing anything wrong. You're just loving him. 
And no matter what you do, the narcissist feels unloved because he feels fundamentally unlovable, which is not caused by you. It is caused by his childhood trauma. It is not your fault. Living with a narcissist, you can never avoid being hated by him because as an adult and as a Christian, you follow the Bible and common sense and here is how you address a conflict with the narcissist. Matthew 18, 15, 17 says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge might be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And what that means at the time when the Bible was written is that basically these are people you avoid. You just don't hang out with them. And that's exactly how we ended up in counseling and then more counseling and then more counseling, and then jury trial. I followed the Bible. The problem is that from step one in this Bible verse, you are dead to the narcissist, and he will hate you. If you say to him anything other than praise, which this Bible verse suggests you do, which I did, you take his fault to him one-on-one and address it with him. And if you say to him anything other than praise, he will manipulate you cruelly into death because the very moment you said something that is not considered words of affirmation and admiration to the narcissist, he discards you as useless. He will rage at you. He will suck your life out of you for that. And here's a poem I wrote for you to help you understand what is happening between you and the narcissist and why you are dying emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It is not your fault. Let me drink some tea. The poem is called The Narcissist is Confused About His Identity. The narcissist grew up unable to bond with his primary caregiver. He possibly had even multiple caregivers he was passed to. As a child, he was of confusing messages about himself receiver So today, to survive, his ego to constantly puff up, he has to. 
He hates his story and pretends to be someone different. He goes to great length to cover up his true identity. To the impact of his deception, he is absolutely indifferent. Because even he himself doesn't have of who he is any clarity. As an example, let's just say he was born a Latino or Hispanic. But in his documents, he intentionally and consistently checks, I'm not Hispanic or Latino, I am white. It's because he carries so much embarrassment and shame that he has a panic even thinking that anyone his true self find out might. Another example, let's say he changes his last name and creates out of the blue brand new Facebook profiles. It's because to his community he tries to no longer portray since they know about his shame from his previous trials. The shame-filled and confused narcissist needs you desperately. As his narcissistic supply, you provide validation and admiration. From praise, his fragile, flimsy ego can't survive separately. So the narcissist with cruelty manipulates you into his insanity with no hesitation. I just want to tell you that I know how much empathy, compassion, and love you feel for the wounded narcissist. I know. But his pain is not your fault. I will do my best to explain to you today what he's doing with your mental health and why. And at the end, I will tell you what the antidote is for narcissistic abuse. But first, let's try to really understand what exactly the narcissist is doing with your mind, sanity, and dignity. And here's a poem I wrote for you that is an overall big-picture explanation of what's going on and how the narcissist's fragile ego fuels his cruelty. This poem is called The Narcissist's Ego is Fragile. The narcissist's ego is fragile like a bomb because his identity is rooted in nothing solid. He will be charming, cherishing, and very calm as long as toward him you are admiring and torrid. But if you say to him anything other than praise, he will explode toward you with long-lasting anger and hatred. He will meticulously manipulate you into complete haze where from your sanity and dignity you become separated. The narcissist has no concern for you at all, except he needs you to feed his ego with admiration. So when you refuse to be his narcissistic supply anymore, 
the narcissist will instantly want you dead with no hesitation. <sighs> My trauma counselor told me, the narcissist wants you dead. And I did not believe her until I did. And the first mental cruelty technique in the narcissist toolkit is silent treatment. What is narcissistic silent treatment? The website thenarcissisticlife.com explains that silent treatment is a common punishment in many relationships. It is manifested by one partner who completely ignores the other, going through their typical day as if the other person were invisible or absent, even if that person is standing right in front of them or talking to them. Some have argued that a silent treatment is more abusive than physical harm, as it can be more appropriately thought of as a form of torture. The website confirms the cruelty of this punishment, saying, this is especially true the longer it goes on. It is unusually used to express content and disapproval by the narcissist. I experienced months of silent treatment, all while the narcissist was spending my entire paycheck, leaving me with no money for food and ignoring me completely when I addressed it with him. I would be right there, in front of his face. He would come near me silently and do his thing in the kitchen, pretending I do not exist, pretending I am not there, pretending I am nothing. In my jury trial a few weeks ago, my interrogatory response, Exhibit 3, was called Cruel Treatment. I am now going to read you the excerpts from Exhibit 3 because I feel it's the best way for me to give you real-life examples of what it looks like in real life. Because when you are going through it, often you don't recognize it or you do recognize it but deny it. Silent abuse examples. Starting in August 2016, ignoring me except when convenient for him to talk only about what he wanted to talk, gone for weeks without talking even when I was trying to engage him about marriage responsibilities, he would avoid me and just ignore me, remaining silent until someday he would decide to talk about whatever he needed, then go silent again. And here I'm referring to Exhibit 13 and 18 and Exhibit 22-25 and Exhibit 29 where I presented evidence for that. Causing hurt, anxiety, confusion, and depression. That's the end of my paragraph that I wanted to share with you. To help you understand narcissistic silent treatment and its cruelty, as well as its goal, I wrote this poem in preparation for today's podcast. It's called Narcissistic Silent Treatment. To control, punish, intimidate, and invalidate you, 
the narcissist uses silent treatment chronically. With that, this eternal child intends to demonstrate to you how worthless you are to him, ironically. Ironically, because he actually needs you to supply admiration, attention, money, and praise to him. Yet, suburbly, the childish narcissist will apply silent treatment until you, with self-doubt, he can brim. The narcissist is self-absorbed, moody, aloof, and egotistical. He won't even blink abusing you and taking money from you at the same time. And while you... Excuse me, and while to you this behavior appears to be erratic and mystical, to the empathy lacking, feelingless narcissist, doing so is no crime. Narcissistic silent treatment is aimed to express the narcissist's disapproval of you and his anger and rage. He is an ever grown little boy who wants to oppress while into productive conflict resolution, you, as an adult, try him to engage. The silent treatment is used by this eternal child to send you a message of how insignificant and worthless you are to him. It's because the immature narcissist can't a productive dialogue manage since he has such a poor self-image and low self-esteem. The narcissist has such a fragile ego that he needs your energy and needs you alive. Constantly putting you down for him is very intriguing because that's how he puffs up his ego to survive. Helpguide.org describes the narcissist this way. Narcissists never develop the ability to identify with the feelings of others, to put themselves in other people's shoes. In other words, they lack empathy. In many ways, they view the people in their lives as objects. They're, they are there to serve the narcissist's needs. As a consequence, they don't think twice about taking advantage of others to achieve their own ends. So, the next tool used by the narcissist to manipulate you is called projection. What is narcissistic projection? This mental manipulation technique is very, very hard to spot, recognize, and explain. The best, way for me, the best way for me to help you understand this concept is to share with you from the same response to interrogatories, Exhibit 3, called Mental Cruelty, which was used in my jury trial a few weeks ago. If it gets too complicated, which it can, with the gaslighting and projection and other clever techniques the narcissist uses on you, just go ask me a question or post your comment on anasabo.com slash narcissistic dash abuse.
So now I'm going to read to you from Exhibit 3 on mental cruelty about the real-life examples of narcissistic projection I experienced. Projection is a defense mechanism used to displace responsibility of one's negative behavior and traits by attributing them to someone else. It ultimately acts as a discretion that avoids ownership and accountability. Examples. Number one. He took on a home improvement loan on February 19, 2016, 19 days after he proposed to me to remodel the house he wanted us to live in after the wedding because his mentor told him it was his obligation. So that's what he said to me and our premarital counseling mentors as his reasoning. Yet throughout our marriage, he consistently bombarded me with victim-like guilty statements such as the debt I took on at no will of my own. As if his decision to take on a home improvement loan against his premarital residence was my fault, or somehow became my fault. Number two, making me beg him for months to set up a gym for me to work out at home, as we had agreed before we got married, because I always worked out at home, dismissing my questions if he could help me set up home gym, Avoiding the topic, and when the colorblind neighbor decided to help me with the home gym, he gave him to the neighbor the primer instead of paint, and insisted later that I repaint the room, pretending that it was my fault. And just a side note here, if you remember, I shared that After I married Michael, I moved into country far away from everything, and my commute to work was five hours a day, a hundred miles a day, every single day, five days a week, instead of 15 minutes each way, the way I had it before. So working out at home for me with two back injuries was essential. It never happened. Number three, setting heat at home to 56 degrees through the Nest app, which only he had control over, primary control, consistently making me wake up cold and coughing, and then in response to my plea to stop freezing our home, saying that he had nothing to do with it, every time making me feel like the Nest app did it by itself and he wasn't responsible or I was simply crazy. Number four, on August 8, 2016, I prepared separate lunches for both me and him, as I always did. His diet is different from mine, as he's an athlete. When I was ready to take my food to work, he was already gone by 5 a.m., and he took my food, as I just then realized, so I had nothing to take with me to work. I went to get food at lunch and could not pay for it. It said my debit card didn't have any money on it. I was shocked. I logged into our checking account and there was zero dollars there. 
I texted him that we needed to talk. He texted me that after he bought his new phone, he did not even have access to the bank account. I was shocked just realizing that he did not even bother to monitor his bank account. I was speechless. But I did not know at the time that he wasn't suffering like I was because he had hidden cash and I didn't. And then he texted me, the first job I gave you was the money and you failed. I felt like I could not breathe when I read it. I could not believe my eyes. He was condemning me via text message for his overspending of our money. He was clearly saying it was my fault and I failed. He was projecting his obvious faults on me. I was so confused. He made me feel responsible for his overspending, responsible for him never reading the budget he asked me to create to which he just said, yes, I approve, and then he never followed it and didn't even look at the checking account. I was confused, doubting my sanity. Escapeabuse.com explains this complex psychological manipulation phenomenon this way. Narcissists don't just project their faults and failings, such as character flaws and bad acts, onto you. They also project their feelings, emotions, and beliefs onto you. And then the website says, actually, into you. <laughs> And that is exactly what I just demonstrated to you with the excerpt from the Exhibit 3 explaining projection. The narcissist was at fault, but I felt guilty. Isn't it simply incredible? They truly project their faults not just onto you, but into you. I internalized his every fault and blamed myself. That is why I'm creating this podcast. It's midnight and I'm like falling asleep right now. But I want to create this episode for you so that you know it is not your fault. It is not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. You're just loving him. I wrote this poem for you to help you understand the dynamics and complexity of narcissistic projection so that you know it's not your fault, but also understand that he is doing the things he won't stop doing. That's just his way of relating to you because he is all good and you are all bad in his ego's eyes. So this poem I created for you is called The Narcissist Projects His Faults on You. Are you ready? Projection is narcissist's favorite trick. 
It's his fine art of making you feel guilty for his vices. He exhausts you with his manipulation and makes you mentally sick. Then he starts silent treatment on you, and to make sense of his cruelty, you are left to your own devices. You have been harmed by the evil narcissist, who once upon a time portrayed himself as a genuine person. But nothing genuine or vulnerable in him even exists. The more you trust the narcissist, the more his mental cruelty will worsen. The narcissist doesn't see you for who you are. In fact, he doesn't see you at all. His relationship with you is so bizarre because your only value to him is to praise and admiration supplied to his ego-filled soul. So how is he so successful at projecting his faults on you? Well, remember that relationship phase when he was cherishing and sweet? That's when the narcissist persuaded you that he is trustworthy and that his companionship you really need. Later on, the narcissist rendered you as his victim to emotional terror, which you had to deny for a while to simply survive. This mental coping mechanism has been practiced by war prisoners forever. It's when you stop trusting your own perception of reality to be able to stay alive. So the narcissist projects his faults on you easily, because you lost confidence from abuse and doubt your every thought. With time, as the scope of his mental cruelty is increasing, to project more and to gaslight you more, the narcissist ought. Next, let's discuss how the narcissist actually gaslights you. Let me drink some water. <clears throat> How narcissistic gaslighting works. The most popular website explaining narcissistic abuse, called narcissisticbehavior.net, explains, explains gaslighting this way Gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse used by narcissists in order to instill in their victims an extreme sense of anxiety and confusion to the point where they no longer trust their own memory, perception, or discernment. The intention is to, in a very systematic way, target the victim's mental health, self-confidence, and self-esteem so that the victim is no longer able to function mentally in a stable manner. That's exactly what happened to me. Gaslighting involves the abuser to frequently and systematically withhold factual information from the victim and replacing it with false information, 
And I promise you, this is no a huge task to the narcissist. He does it easily. It's his way of life because he's a chief deceiver and liar. Over time, this mental manipulation strategy leads to finally undermining the mental stability of the narcissistic victim. That is why it is such a dangerous form of abuse, mental cruelty. The emotional damage of narcissistic gaslighting is huge, and when a victim is exposed to it for long enough, she begins to lose her sense of self, sanity, and dignity. Unable to trust her own judgments and discernment, the narcissistic victim starts to question the reality of everything in her life. She begins to doubt her every decision and second-guess her every thought. This results, the this results in the narcissistic victims becoming very insecure, depressed, and withdrawn, feeling mentally incompetent and crazy. That is my story. That's exactly what happened to me. And it happens very unnoticeably because we love narcissists so much. And we believe they're good and we're bad. Here is the description of a real-life examples from my own narcissistic abuse experience that were also submitted to court um, as a part of the Exhibit 3 this year, called Mental Cruelty. Gaslighting is a manipulative tactic utilized to distort and erode a victim's sense of reality. It eats away at her ability to trust herself and inevitably disables her from feeling justified in calling out abuse and mistreatment. Examples number one, texting me on August 3rd, 2016. At what time are you leaving work? And going into the discussion of his wondering what to cook. He said he wanted to make me dinner to honor me. It was just another time when he used such big phrases as I want to honor you, I want to sacrifice myself for you as Christ loved the church, I want to cherish you, which made me feel so confused because the reality was that he was dishonoring me daily and dishonoring his marriage too. But listening to him and how genuine he always made those big statements sound, I did not know what reality to believe. Just in my own mind, the reality I was living, which was cruel and abusive, or the reality he was painting with his words. Which, were, which was sweet and cherishing and luring. I felt disoriented because of such a mismatch between his nice words and his betraying abusive actions. Number two, getting me a tea kettle on November 7th, 2016, which I saw as an act of kindness after enduring weeks of silent treatment from him 
But when I went upstairs to his bedroom where he lived to thank him, he shut the door in my face and yelled at me, which was cruel and abusive and caused me to doubt myself, my sanity, my reality and my mental stability. Number three, buying for me two bottles of my favorite probiotic drink, Kefir, from Russia on November 16th, 2016, which I saw also as an act of kindness, yet stonewalling me at the same time at home with silent abuse, pretending that I do not exist, leading me to feel confused, anxious, and depressed. Number four, telling me that I was his priority and not Iron Man, when in the actual reality I was living in with him, he spent two hours a week maximum interacting with me as his wife, while he spent over four or five hours a day training for Ironman, and every Saturday he was gone with his Ironman peers from 4 a.m. until bedtime. Number five, disappearing from the house, leaving me there completely alone at night with no security, no cameras, and with a glass front door, which I was very scared of. And when I would lock the garage door, hoping no one can open it from the outside, he would open it from the outside and lock it in my face while I'm watching and open easily showing me that I was not safe, and it was not a big deal to open the garage door from the outside, laughing at me and causing me to feel unsafe and never be able to relax at home, remembering how on October 5th, 2016, he just came into my bedroom where I lived and took advantage of me sexually in my sleep and knowing that he was easily opening the locked door in my bedroom, causing me to feel constant fear and anxiety. Here's a poem I wrote for you about narcissistic gaslighting to help you see that it's not your fault. You're not crazy. Your reality is the actual reality you live in. You're normal. You have a good discernment. You can trust your perception. You can. Let me drink some water. The poem is called The Narcissistic Gaslighting. Gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse used by the narcissist in order to instill in you as his victim an extreme sense of anxiety so you become completely confused to the point where you no longer trust your discerning mental system. The emotional damage of gaslighting is huge on a narcissistic victim. Gaslighting is truly the most powerful covered method of narcissistic control. You are mentally manipulated to never be able to predict him and to make you feel crazy and brain scattered is his primary goal. 
The narcissist's agenda is to first kill your confidence. He needs your energy and glow, but also feels that he himself doesn't measure up. That's why he meticulously sets out to make you doubt your own mental competence, so that with self-doubt, sadness, and insecurity is filled your emotional cup. He's very clever at making you doubt the reality of your own perception. He's very intentional at persuading you to question the evidence of your own senses. The facts are always twisted in the narcissist's very believable deception to make it seem as if he were a victim so that you pay his expenses. The narcissist constantly hides whatever makes him feel ashamed. But if he can't hide, he will just skillfully lie. He is terrified if his actions create negative consequences to establish the truth aimed. He will work over time to persuade anyone that you are crazy and he is just a good guy. When the narcissist practices silent treatment, projection, or gaslighting, you experience also his scary flat eyes, full of nothingness. They're empty. And as he stares at you, you feel like your blood is turning into ice. You lose a part of yourself looking him in the eye. It's called the narcissist reptilian stare. Soulmates in Hell blog explains the stare phenomenon this way. The reptilian look is unsettling because it has a predatory aspect to it. It often happens rather suddenly when you disagree or are not sufficiently worshipful of the narcissist's awesomeness. It's an aspect of narcissistic rage, but instead of outrageous anger, it's like watching a fuse on a bomb. It's intense, hypnotic, and makes your blood run cold. I wrote this poem for you in preparation for this podcast to help you understand the purpose of narcissistic reptilian stare. And the poem is called The Narcissist Reptilian Stare. To look the narcissist in the eye is the beginning of losing a part of yourself. He takes so much from you. He takes everything you have. He then leaves behind just a shell of you while he himself goes on and just tells people lies on your behalf. Looking the narcissist in the eye is dangerous. His very goal is to suck your life out of you. He often stares at you, which feels very mysterious, but the reason why he does it is to intentionally intimidate you. His reptilian stare is coupled with complete lack of empathy or remorse. This nerve-wracking stare is often accompanied by silent treatment. Experiencing it, you feel intimidated and scared, of course, 
And that's the goal of the narcissist who is to your feelings absolutely indifferent. Trapped in his make-believe ego-puffing pathology, the narcissist resembles an alien on drugs. Being eaten alive by an alligator is irrelevant to your life analogy. Because with his reptilian stare, the narcissist meticulously into death, you drugs. You know, after I started sharing my story of enduring narcissistic abuse, many women began sending me letters on Facebook telling me how they are going through the exact same thing and asking me how come we get targeted by those manipulative and cruel abusers. Well, let's talk about it. Why did he target you as his narcissistic victim? The short answer is because you are an amazing, kind, compassionate, and empathic human being. And here's a more detailed explanation. According to Dr. Jane McGregor, empaths are ordinary people who are highly perceptive and insightful and belong to the 40% of human beings who sense when something is not right who respond to their God instinct, and who take action and speak up. They frequently, just like the child in the Emperor's New Clothes story, will tell the truth and expose lies and wrongdoings, which makes them a target for narcissistic abuse since the narcissist is driven by exaggerated envy and fear of shame as well as lack of compassion and the inability to self-soothe. Because the narcissist cannot self-soothe, he will not go to sleep until he knows you suffering. Dr. McGregor describes that evil people are often attracted to those with high empathy because of the compassionate nature of us, the empaths. A particular attribute is that we are sensitive to the emotional distress of others. Conversely, we also have trouble comprehending a closed mind and lack of compassion in others. This is a limitation that causes us as empathic people to be targeted by narcissists since empathy and compassion significantly enhance our vulnerability to attacks from emotional vampires, which is who they are. So every wonderful character quality that makes you such an amazing human being is the very reason why you became a victim of narcissistic abuse. It's not your fault. You haven't done anything wrong. That is why I spent six hours producing this one podcast for you. It is not your fault. You haven't done anything wrong in your relationship with him. I blamed myself every day for the narcissist's faults. And I want to help you. My contribution is this content. Why is the narcissist such an expert in mental cruelty? Do you remember the Bible verse I shared with you in the beginning of this episode? The 
Bible told us thousands of years ago that the narcissist won't be able to go to bed unless he knows that he made someone suffer. In your case, the suffering party is you. In my case, it was me who was suffering. And I still suffer today. I'm not fully recovered at all. Basically, the narcissist takes great pleasure at just making us suffer for the sake of it. The Bible says it, and both you and I know it from experience, even if we deny it intentionally to survive, remember? We do that because we have to survive. We don't want to believe the truth about the narcissist and our situation. You love the narcissist because of the kind of amazing man he presented himself to be early on in your relationship when he was working over time to lure you into his premeditated deception. You can't believe all this cruelty. You hope that none of this, what I told you here today, is actually true. I know what it feels like. On September 1st, 2016, the narcissist sent me in writing, via email, the following statement. I hurt you. I walked away on you and argued to be right because of my ego, and I had to prove a point. He said it to me in his own words. He wrote it down. He emailed it to me. Still, I did not believe it. I still thought that this was not true. It felt so surreal to me. And honestly, it still does sometimes. It's only been a few weeks since we got our divorce, and it does feel surreal sometimes, still. Even hearing all this from him about his own cruel intentions and ego and intentional hurt he wanted to cause me, still none of it did I believe. And then my trauma counselor told me, the narcissist wants you dead. And I did not believe it. That's how well the narcissist takes over and debilitates your mind. Here's a poem I wrote about this for you to help you see how these dynamics play out in your relationship with a narcissist. And so you understand it is not your fault. You are not crazy. You are an empathic, kind, loving, compassionate woman who's just been taken advantage of. This poem is called The Narcissist is a Chief Deceiver and Liar. Let me drink some water. Hold on. The narcissist's primary agenda in life is to sneakingly get away with something. He can even set out to get himself a whole new wife if in an ego boost for him resolves that hunting. He can also get himself a new last name 
searching for a new victim and running away from past shame. He will lie to you about who he is and honesty claim. Overall, he will do anything to get you involved in his make-believe love game. The narcissist is a chief deceiver and liar. To lure you into his premeditated deception, he will go to a great length. He needs desperately someone him to admire. Without praise, admiration, and compliments, he has no strength. It's because the narcissist has a very fragile ego. No one and nothing is important to him but praise. When the narcissist is pursuing you, it can be very intriguing, but only until he quickly ends that short-term happy phase. After the narcissist had successfully lured you, he resorts to just being himself and eating you alive. His mistakes and faults start being projected by him on you, and at that point he wants nothing less than your very life. How can you help the narcissist? According to Psychology Today, treatment for narcissistic personality disorder can be very challenging because the narcissist has a great deal of grandiosity and defensiveness, which makes it difficult for him to acknowledge problems and vulnerabilities. I remember calling a highly recommended therapist who was said to work in the area of narcissistic personality disorder, so I thought she helped narcissists. I asked her if she could help the narcissist in my life, and she exploded with laughing. She said nobody can help him because the narcissist is defensive and not vulnerable. He's not real, and he can't be helped. As I listened to her, I realized, wow, this is so true, because at the time, I had already been in couples therapy with a narcissist for months, and the the thing is that the narcissist that I was in a relationship with never showed up in counseling, never. I lived with an abusive, raging narcissist at home, who exploded with anger and defensiveness and rage regularly, was manipulating me mentally every day, was extremely mean and evil to me, threatening me on a regular basis, but the man who showed up in counseling with me was his puffed-up ego covered up with the nicest people-pleaser persona imaginable. Such a good guy. Sweet, cherishing, honoring, a good Christian. That's what the counselors told me. But he is just such a nice guy. To which I looked at them puzzled. I had no idea what was happening in my life. I couldn't see the full picture of cruelty and the the manipulation and just the cleverness of the whole deception and the size of the deception that the narcissist so eloquently designed and executed on me. I was confused and devastated. The narcissist puts on the people-pleaser persona to win or earn admiration or praise of other people. 
And I remember the counselors bought really well into his persona and were so deceived. I just saw it with them. They later told me straight in my eye, we can't help you. But by then, I already knew that they were deceived and really couldn't help. They were just like me, all tangled in the narcissist's meticulously created web of lies and pretenses. I was so disoriented, confused, hopeless, depressed, and suicidal. So how can you help the narcissist? You can't. But you can pray for him. From a distance, though. You need to get out to take care of yourself before he manipulates you into either committing a suicide or he himself just kills you. The narcissist hates you not because of you, but because of his emptiness and self-hatred. You can't resolve this for him, because he doesn't want to acknowledge his issues, his problems, his trauma. Never, ever. But most of all, because you see how broken, damaged, and traumatized the empty-shelled narcissist is, he hates you with burning hatred and constantly threatens you. Take his threats seriously, please. Get out and move on. I remember the judge in my case said, to charge mental cruelty in this case, I would need to see that he feels forgiven. But I didn't see it. <laughs> what that meant is this. If the narcissist exposes you to mental cruelty, but says that he had no idea it caused you pain, the judge sees it as if the narcissist is just clueless. Basically, he is guiltless. How is that for deception, huh? And I knew that the judge truly felt that way because I felt that way for months. I truly believed that the narcissist was just unaware of how cruel he was and that all his manipula manipulation, mental cruelty and deception was unintentional. No, dear. It is intentional. You gotta get out. And here's a poem I wrote for you to help you understand what is happening to you right now so that you don't think it's your fault. This poem is called Loving the Narcissist. Loving the narcissist is like taking poison and dying slowly. He's so miserable and he can't stand that you're not. He hates you for your joy and wants to make you feel so lonely that you forget anything good or positive you ever thought. The narcissist has a very fragile ego. He is full of insecurities, self-hatred and shame. For him to manipulate you into darkness is very intriguing and to make you feel confused and doubtful is his primary goal. The narcissist wants you dead, my trauma counselor told me. I didn't believe her at first, but later saw that it was true. With, this, with his narcissistic gaslighting and projection, the narcissist sold me 
on the idea that of his own abuse he genuinely had no clue. The narcissist won't leave you alone ever. You are his narcissistic supply needed to survive. He is fueled by the idea of making you suffer forever. He's pleased knowing that abused by him you can't thrive. You can't help the narcissist by loving him. Because he doesn't feel, he doesn't just feel by you unloved. From his childhood, he feels fundamentally unlovable. That's not anything you can get for him resolved. To be targeted and attacked by the narcissist, all you need to do is breathe and be. For him to hate you, it's enough that you simply exist, but if you're happy or joyful, he won't ever set you free. He will continue to devastate you relentlessly. He wants you to be drained and miserable like him. To ensure that you feel hopeless, he will work restlessly until he witnesses with pleasure that being depressed you begin. Loving the narcissist leads you not just to that end, it takes you quickly to the real hell on earth. And as long as to genuinely care you tend, the narcissist will hate you vigorously and intensely for all his worth. So what is the antidote for narcissistic abuse? What should you do? Where do you go from here? How does knowing what you know now can help you? For me, it took a long time. It took a jury trial. It took seeing him lie day after day under the oath and deceiving nearly 20 people in the courtroom. Then it just hit me. Yes, he deceived you. He took advantage of you. He abused you with cruelty. Now what? What are you going to do now? And you know what? The judge or the jury or the attorneys will not help you. You will not find any justice. He deceived you for so long how easy it is for him to deceive others. Just 20 people in just a few hours a day. So what help is there for you? Self-care is the only help you can get. It comes from you. First thing first, go listen to my podcast episode called Empowering Women. You can engage in a conversation about it at anasabo.com slash narcissistic dash abuse. And you can also post your prayer requests for me so I can pray and lift you up to our good, good father who deeply cares for you. And I know it. I know it in my heart. He cares for you and me right now. He knows the number of hair for each of us. So you can go to annazabo.com slash prayers and share your prayer requests with me and I'll pray for you. 
I also wrote a poem for you that represents the only secret I found as an antidote for narcissistic abuse. It's a poem about self-care. When I was depressed and suicidal, enduring mental cruelty from the narcissist who devalued me, I started searching the Bible to find out exactly what God said about me. I found 52 topics God was conveying about me, valuable, worthy, beautiful, loved, accepted, capable, creative, wonderful, and on and on the list went. So I wanted to share these findings with you, to inspire and empower you, for you to remember who you are in Christ, how much love God has for you. And I wrote 52 little poetic affirmations, and I call them 52 devotionals. They're all scripture-based, and they help me to restore my mental strength and my spiritual clarity. I repeat them to myself every day, all day long. I am a princess, a daughter of the king, loved and accepted, sanctified and redeemed. I have faith in God, my Father. I have faith in His great plan. I have faith that He will honor His every promise in my lifespan. I am loved by God unconditionally for eternity. For my salvation, His Son He sacrificed. Nothing can take away from me this certainty. I am inseparable from the love of Jesus Christ. These are just a few of the 52 devotionals I created for you. You can go to annasabo.com slash narcissistic dash abuse and I will have them there waiting for you. They're written in the form of I am affirmation so that you can really change your psychology. You can, using neuroplasticity of our brain, you can rewire your entire brain with these little statements, affirmations, I am affirmations. So start with biblical affirmations reminding yourself who you are in Christ. Make sure you connect at church so people can actually love on you and support you. And I wrote a poem for you to help you come up with your self-care plan. Before I share the poem, I want to remind you that if this content was of help to you, if it added value to your life, please make sure you go ahead and now post your review on iTunes or Stitcher. Your review can help other women in need discover this content. Please post your review today. And here's my new poem for you. Take care of yourself, dear. The antidote for narcissistic abuse is self-care. Self-care enables you to get back your sanity and power. To heal your mind, daily meditation and devotionals headspace you need where, with biblical truth about who you are, your soul you empower. Having endured narcissistic gaslighting, silent treatment and projection, you're mentally, emotionally and physically exhausted and sick. 
Your mind needs now very strong and solid protection. You can only get it if with biblical truth you devotedly seek. Meditate on biblical affirmations every day. I am a child of God. I am special. I am valuable. With passion, out loud, this affirmation say. God's truth plants in your mind powerful seeds that are viable. Self-care is how you survive and thrive. Eat healthy, exercise, journal, and sleep eight hours. If sleeping is troublesome, to use essential oil strife. Also, to have quality sleep help warm bedtime showers. Walk outside in the sun for some time. It might be difficult to make yourself do it initially. Go slowly and try just a few steps at a time. Until 10,000 steps a day you can claim officially. Most importantly, spend quality time with God. Cry out to Him about your pain and confusion. Ask Him to free you from all the mental mud the narcissist instilled in you with his well-planned delusion. Self-care must become your new daily habit. Every time you endure cruelty from the narc, meditate and pray. You must also figure out how to no longer with him cohabit. While you live in the same house, he will surely on you pray. Ask God to show you his plan for your way out. Fill your mind up regularly with the gospel. Get to a safe place where you can heal from self-doubt and where you can have peaceful environment and not hostile. Self-care also means that you will intentionally refocus. You do need to understand what happened to you to move on, but don't get stuck on the why of the past and instead on the how of the future focus. And make sure that on your journey you purposefully get closer to God drawn.